Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Hurricane Plant Recovery Update. I'm Peggy Tuck, and I will be your host today. Within the last 30 days, the U.S. Gulf Coast has been hit by two hurricanes, each having a significant impact on industrial plant operations. Now, you may remember in late August, we had Hurricane Laura, which made landfall near Cameron, Louisiana, leaving hundreds of industrial plants without power, many of which won't actually get reliable power restored for probably another month or maybe more. And then, of course, we had Hurricane Sally, which hit Gulf Shores, Alabama, causing historic level flooding and complicating access for those damage assessments. Industrial Info Resources is committed to covering these types of disasters and much needed industry intelligence and plant insights. One of the tools that they use is the IIR Disaster Impact Tracker. That monitors natural disasters and the impact on industrial plants around the world, including hurricanes, earthquakes, and other significant weather events. Um, you know, it's a very useful tool, especially for plants or projects that lie in the projected path of any of these events. This allows for more effective contingency planning by plant owners and also the ability for OEMs and contractors to better plan and mobilize their resources, their manpower, and also the equipment in order to support these plants that are going to be impacted. So this morning, you're going to hear from some of the top IIR experts. We've got Chris Paschal, Britt Burt, Trey Hamblett, and Shane Mullins. And they're going to have updates on the impact of Hurricane Laura and Sally, along with Beta, which is what we're dealing with right now. We will be taking your questions following the presentation. So if you'd like to submit a question, just look over to the side of your screen and you'll see an area in order to do that. Also, we'd like to invite you to take part in just a brief survey following the broadcast. Now, let's get started. And... I want to show you a slide, and I think this pretty much says it all. As you can see, it's been a very active season. We have had six named storms impacting the Gulf Coast in various degrees. A little tidbit of information for you. The last time we had to go, the last and only time, actually, that we ever had to go to the Greek alphabet was in 2005. There was a very significant storm during that year, and that was called Hurricane Katrina, and we actually went through six letters of the Greek alphabet. So I'd like to bring Chris Pascal in right now. And Chris, you know, it was just a couple of weeks ago that we were talking, getting an update on Laura. And I know you've been kept pretty busy right now. So what is the latest on the progress coming from Laura, Sally, and then Beta? Thank you, Peggy, and good morning to you as well as everyone else. Um, you're absolutely right. It has been a very busy season this year. One of the larger storms that we've seen so far on the Gulf Coast this year has been Hurricane Laura, um, as that uh, made landfall into the, to really the, what I'm going to call the Texas-Louisiana border. It had an opportunity or a potential opportunity to impact hundreds of plants along the Gulf Coast, around 800 or so. As that made landfall, as we continue to reconfirm and verify which plants had had, had, had an impact, um, some sort of impact, whether they're offline or perhaps curtailing rates, there's actually only about 180 plants that actually had some type of impact here. Where are we at right now? So if you look at the rule, I'm going to call the power and energy 
uh, infrastructure industries. There are right now, as of Monday this week, there are 19 plants that still remain offline. Most of them are onshore. And um, so whenever you look at what's going on and where the rebuild effort, most of those plants um, are really waiting on power to be reestablished. I know we have confirmed the two refineries in the Lake Charles area, Charles area. They have actually have had their, uh, their basic power needs restored, but they're still waiting on maybe a little bit more of the high voltage. So, Britt, I'd like to bring you in, in uh, into this conversation here. Um, we talk about, you know, this area was really devastated in terms of from an electrical infrastructure uh, point of view. Do you have any update on where we're at here on, in terms of the rebuild efforts? Yeah, thank you, Chris. Um, well, we'll start with the, uh, with the generation plants first. And uh, in the Lake Charles area, um, the uh, Calcasieu plant has returned to service. The Lake Charles uh, plant has returned to service. Roy, Roy S. Nelson is probably going to be down to uh, December. And then the other plant, the Nelson Industrial Steam Facility over there, uh, they're looking at probably oct early October before they come online. That's only one piece of it. That's a generation piece. And you've got to have the uh, transmission and distribution systems in place to, uh, uh, of course, supply power to those facilities. Uh, it, it's progressing. Uh, on the distribution side, uh, energy is replaced. Um, about three-quarters of the 4,700 4, transformers uh, that were damaged, uh, just to give you some kind of scale of what we were talking about here, uh, about 29,000 spans of wire um, and distribution uh, poles. Uh, on the transmission side, we talked about last time there were nine major transmission corridors uh, that were damaged. They have at least one of those back up, I believe possibly two. And um, as far as the transmission side, they, they had 1,400 structures that were damaged and they have replaced about 800 of those. Um, there's almost all the substations are repaired or replaced, uh, which was, uh, there were 316 of those. And they're saying most customers that can take power uh, will be receiving power the 23rd, which I guess is tomorrow. Um, the remainder of those customers that can safely take power uh, will be re uh, back online by September 30th. But you said something very key, uh, reliable power. And in order to do that, they still have a number of these transmission uh, uh, sections that have to be repaired and replaced. And it, it's something that Energy has never seen before. It's total total devastation of their transmission system. So you know this this could go on a number of more weeks before we have reliable power, and that's the key word. Thanks, Brett. It sounds like we got a still a ways to go before everything's up and going there. Indeed. So Shane, Shane, thanks again, Brett. So Shane, I got to bring you in here. Um, we talk about the inland plant, uh, really the recovery efforts, but I got to think that uh, these, these storms that have come into the Gulf have had an impact to the, the offshore industry, the oil and gas offshore industry. What's the latest of that and where are we at? Well, um, 
it's been a busy hurricane season, and the map right here kind of highlights that. There's about 250 platforms and uh, 16 gas processing plants that were shut in in the last month or so. And uh, currently, there's about 23 platforms that still remain shut in from both Laura, Sally, and now Beta with the addition of Shell's Perdido platform. Uh, if you look at just the cumulative shut-ins from both Laura and Sally, that amounts to about 17.3 million barrels per day of lost crude oil production in the last uh, 30 days so far, and it's not quite over yet. Uh, if you look at the uh, uh, natural gas side, uh, we can use the gas flows from Iron Energy's gas flow data to show the impacts that uh, both Laura and Sally have had on uh, offshore gas production. Uh, for Laura, we lost about 90% of gas production, a little over uh, uh, BC, uh, one, one and a half BCF a day of gas production offshore for about six days, uh, which substantially recovered by September 9th. Uh, Shut-ins uh, from Hurricane Sally dropped offshore gas production by 30% starting last Thursday, and we saw an average of about 600 million cubic feet a day of lost production for about four days. Uh, we've seen a lot of recovery over the weekend uh, as a lot of platforms have uh, restarted operations, but at this point, we, uh, we've got gas flows from Dolphin Island, the Stingray, and Garden Banks pipelines that remain offline and uh, the flows from Sea Robin, High Island, and High Point pipeline systems are running at reduced rates due to ongoing shut-ins offshore. Uh, all of this capacity is processed onshore, and while the majority of onshore gas-related uh, processing plants have restarted operations, we still do have uh, uh, the DCP's um, Mobile Bay processing plant awaiting pipeline restarts. And uh, there's a, a, a two small gas processing plants in Escambia County awaiting power to return, and uh, one in uh, Conoco County experiencing, which experienced eight to 10 inches of rain, uh, which have caused some restart delays there. And we also have the Cameron LNG plant, uh, uh, which is still offline from Hurricane Laura. If you um, look at this graph here, the, the, the two main LNG facilities that were shut in uh, due to Laura, uh, uh, Sabine's Pass is the, uh, one of the two that was able to quickly come back online and uh, even double feed gas uh, since the, the the storm began. And uh, uh, Cameron LNG still remains offline, although Entergy uh, has, has made a, a lot of progress on restoring power in the area. Uh, there's enough uh, a power for testing to begin of, of basic systems at uh, Cameron LNG. And as Brett alluded to earlier, they're still waiting on reliable power to be restored before they can resume uh, restart operations of, of one of their trains at their facility. But uh, they expect to be back in full operation at the end of October. Uh, uh, it's going to be a phase startup of the three trains that they have. And first cargo loadings could resume as early as October 8th, and they're just waiting on uh, the Calcasieu ship channel to be cleared at this point. Thanks, Shane. So it sounds like there was a significant amount of the capacity that's been knocked offline over the course of the month or so related to these storms. Yep. So um, now moving to really what I would call our current event that's going on currently right now on the Gulf Coast, uh, uh, Tropical Storm Beta. Um, this was really a um, uh, more of a rain, slow-moving rain event, not really high winds uh, uh, associated with the event here. It did make landfall yesterday around the Port O'Connor area. Um, as we woke up in the Houston area, we did see some localized flooding in the area here, but we really haven't seen a lot of industrial or uh, the plants, uh, energy plants uh, impacted. It's really been associated around the ports all the way from Corpus all the way into the Houston area. 
those ports have uh, were closed just to related to some of the flooding. Um, and then as the storm really uh, goes into the moves eastward, uh, we're going to start monitoring some of the ports uh, into east of Houston and well into Louisiana here. So stay tuned here. Um, Trey, I know that um, you know you haven't been active here quite yet in this conversation. Um, as Hurricane Sally um, made impact as well, um, we continue to follow those efforts. Uh, can you give us a brief update on where we're at on that? Yeah, so Chris, when we when we met a couple of weeks ago and uh, talking about Laura, we were thinking and hoping that would be the end of big storms. And then Sally, uh, this image is as Sally was uh, approaching the coast, we were very concerned that it was going to be a, a tremendous storm uh, taking in the New Orleans, Baton Rouge, that that entire energy corridor uh, along the Mississippi. And thankfully, uh, it, it did not. It, it shifted. Uh, it's still a, you know, a storm that was devastating to the area, but it shifted uh, further east and it made landfall in an area that uh, does not encompass uh, the same number of petrochemical refining energy uh, plants. Uh, it did land as a Category 2 storm. Uh, as we move to this next slide, we, we kind of um, put some bullet points together that said, you know, as it was making its course towards the Baton Rouge, New Orleans area, we did have a refinery, the uh, P66 uh, Alliance Refinery in Bellchase that uh, idled their operations out of an abundance of caution because the, the storm did wobble quite a bit. You can kind of make out the, the hurricane symbols there in, in the shaded area and, and it wobbled and there was that concern, so they came offline. Outside of that, we had a couple of refineries, a couple of petrochemical plants that uh, throttled back a, a little bit Similar to the point you made about beta a moment ago, what uh, from an industrial or an energy standpoint, rather the most significant impact really was the closure of multiple ports in Mississippi and Alabama as a result of storm surge and uh, localized flooding. When you look at the other industries, you know, we've talked a couple of times about these energy industries, and you look beyond those, there are other industries that are impacted by these storms, and we had uh, a little more than 110 individual plant that we spoke with, our researchers called and spoke with, and they said they had closed their doors uh, and ceased operations uh, out of, of caution of the storm passing. That impacted over 25,000 people that were you know, displaced from work for anywhere from a day to three days in that period. Um, it was big plants like Shaw Industries, polypropylene yarn plant. Uh, there was a, a C lab in the uh, pharmaceutical biotech industry that closed. Uh, train uh, and their HVAC manufacturing plants. Uh, it, was in, it was industries such as that that it closed. We did talk with a few plants that said they had some building or structural damage, uh, but again, nothing quite to the level that we saw as, as Laura made its impact, where you know there were uh, many dozens of very large cooling towers and other infrastructure that was that was damaged. Uh, I'll, I'll ask Britt to comment on this last bullet point. He provided me a update yesterday evening and, and it shows in this last bullet point that much of the consumer electric power has been restored in the region. Britt, did you have anything else to add to that? Yeah, the, just checking just before we came on this morning and uh, uh, Gulf Power, which is the main utility in the area there, is saying that uh, roughly 99% of their, their customers are restored. So. Uh, Power's back on, lights are back on, that's good news. Uh, Alabama Power is 
has been saying that's the utility over in southern Alabama, and they're they're saying that they've been fully restored for a number of days now. So uh, yeah, it looks good. Excellent. Well, uh, as I opened the comment, we were really concerned about Sally being a you know very significant uh, industrial event, and we got very fortunate that it was half the storm that Laura was. And while it is tragic for those that were in its path. Uh, it did move to an area that had much less impact on the overall industrial economy uh, as, as, as a rule. And then I think we have a closing slide here for Shane to come in and talk about some of the offshore impact that Sally had, because it did come across probably more offshore platforms than it did onshore assets. Right. It, it wasn't as big an impact as, as Hurricane Laura. Uh, we had over a million barrels per day offline at, uh, uh, during Laura, but uh, Hurricane Sally's impact uh, did shut in 149 uh, platforms at its peak uh, that were shut in ahead of the storm. There's still 23 production platforms which remain shut in and represents about uh, 179,000 uh, barrels per day of lost production at this point as crews perform inspections and pipeline maintenance continues. Uh, this is going to be going on for uh, several more days. And that's it. So I think that brings us to the close. Uh, uh, Peggy, we'll turn it back to you and take your, the questions and answers and the things you have to help us uh, round this out. Well, okay. It seems like everybody was really busy just listening to your presentations and getting the updates. And so um, I'm not seeing any questions coming in. I'd like to bring up, we have a poll for you right now. If everyone could just take a few minutes um, and uh, let us know if you'll answer this poll, we'd really appreciate. And this is about the disaster impact tracker. And as I talked about at the very beginning, um, this is an extremely useful tool. It really helps um, all of the plants as well as those that are um, in charge of planning for such events like these hurricanes and um, as well as earthquakes and any other kind of natural disaster that might be coming your way. And let's face it, if you can have the opportunity to look through the rear, uh, through the windshield instead of the rear view mirror, um, that is absolutely what you will want to be doing, especially to be prepared um, for such an event that is going to be going on. So we really do appreciate that very much. Just take a few minutes. And all you and, have to do is just answer that little poll and someone will be at, glad to help you. And Peggy, while they're doing that, I'll just uh, give a real quick shout out to our research staff. So each of us that have presented today know that you know, as, as dynamic as the tool is, uh, a lot of what makes uh, the additional color in our tool are the research calls that are talk, talking with these, uh, everyone from offshore platforms to refineries and petrochemical plants. We had researchers over the weekend, this past weekend, that were calling on industrial plants trying to confirm uh, what their plans were, what their impacts were from some of these storms or approaching storms. So uh, just a, you know, a good, we do a lot of talking about our tools, but uh, mm -hmm. a thanks to our team, our teams that help make this real as well. Well, it's, it's very, very vital. And you guys have had some really great information today. Um, so pretty much we're just going to see a pretty rainy day for the next couple of days. Does that seem to be the consensus with data? Agreed. Anyone can chime in. <laughs> it's, it's, so, it's soggy outside here in Houston, and as Chris tried to allude to earlier, you know, it's a big rain event. It's not a big wind event, mm -hmm. so 
the petrochemical plants, the refineries, the power plants, uh, and, and others, you know, 40 mile an hour winds are, are not something that take them offline typically unless you had some very dramatic power outage. And uh, I, Britt would let us know, but I don't think we've heard of any very significant power interruptions. So we, we expect beta to be one of those we put on our waders and we get out and do our do our thing. And, and you know, guys, we've still got a couple more months of hurricane um, season that we're going to be dealing with. And as we've seen how active it was when you showed that slide where there were six named storms just in our area, pretty much along the Gulf Coast. Um, now is a good time probably for these plants uh, to have contingency plans in place, wouldn't you think? I would say that uh, this season has given all of the plants great exercise on contingency and emergency plans, not only just these storms, but all the plans that had to be made around COVID. And maybe we could even credit COVID for, uh, in some ways, getting some of these plants prepared because they've had to operate on minimal staffing. They've had to operate on reduced schedules, et cetera, um, which I'm sure probably added some complications for storm preparedness. But all plant owners have had a really good uh, season of exercising their contingency plans this year, I think. Okay, yeah, guys, we Peggy, did have I a couple. Just, uh, go ahead. I, I would like to add something to that. I mean, the, one of the questions that came up in, in the last webinar we did was, what are some of the lessons that we've learned in the power industry? And one of the things I think that we've learned over the past several years has been how to pool resources to respond to this type of event uh, for the transmission and distribution systems. And the a wonderful example of that is what has happened in recovery efforts for Hurricane Laura uh, in southwestern Louisiana. There's been 25,000 workers that have come in from all over the United States and Canada uh, to help get power back on. And that's, that's how that's happened uh, so quickly. So I think that's the biggest lesson that's been learned over the past several years is how to have uh, linemen and, and repairmen mm -hmm. on call and on the standby at the ready uh, from, from regions outside the, the uh, uh, area that's been affected by the storm. Hey, Britt, have you heard of any scheduling updates of the Gulf Power facilities whose outages were scheduled uh, maybe something that was altered due to Sally? Um, there's, I, I believe there was one over at Sabine Power Station uh, that has been delayed a little bit, but not not significantly. Um, the uh, Hurricane Sally only, we talked about the uh, the distribution and transmission. Hurricane Sally brought down one plant, and that's the Chris power station, uh, but they're expected to be back up about the middle part of October, I believe. Uh, but I, I haven't seen any significant uh, changes to the outages. Okay. Um, have you heard of any scheduling? Oh, oh that was the, sorry. <laughs> There's questions that are coming in, and I'm just trying to get to them for you guys. Okay. Um, let's see if we've got, uh, there was one other question that I saw come in that I think that would be a good update. Um, are all petroleum refineries back online operating at 80% utilization? 
and there's a follow-up to this, are all petroleum, um, that is the same thing. Yeah, up to at least 80%. So when you look at utilization at the refinery for the U.S. fleet, um, it is somewhere around the 80%. It did go down whenever the Hurricane, Hurricane Laura come through. Currently, we have three refineries that are down related to storms, the two in Lake Charles, as well as the, Trey had mentioned earlier, the Phillips 66 Alliance Refinery uh, located in Bella Chase, Louisiana. They went ahead and even though there was no impact from, from the storm, they went ahead and kept it down, accelerated a planned turnaround. But oddly enough, they actually are going to keep that down probably through the end of the year due to depressed or lower than, lower than usual economics, profit margins for the refiners. So those three refineries are still going to be down for quite some time. Um, the rest of the U.S. refining fleet remains around 80% or so in terms of utilization. And, and one final question and thoughts from you all. What about the ports? And um, are there ports that are closed down? Are they going to stay closed down? And how might that be um, affecting maybe import-export? So I'll take a stab at it, at least from the refining sector. So, yeah, there are a lot of ports closed between Corpus and Houston area right now. Obviously, that's impacting um, tanker traffic coming in and coming out, either delivering crude oil to the refineries along the Gulf Coast or move, moving product out. So, um, you know, typically, if you only have a couple of days um, of downtime, the refineries don't see a, a, a huge issue. But if this drags into over the weekend, then you know, we could see um, some refineries start to cut runs, reduce rate, to really try to control their inventory in their tanks right now. All right. Guys, thank you so much for supplying us with an update. I know that all these storms are keeping you busy and keeping you all on your toes, and we really appreciate um, all the hard work that, that you do along with all the other industrial info analysts that are um, out there doing the research 24-7 around the world, around the globe, and um, doing this all the time. I uh, do want to say a big special thanks once again, Trey Hamlet, Chris Paschal, Shane Mullins, uh, Britt Burt. Thank you so much once again. If you would like to contact any of Industrial Info's experts, maybe you want to get more information on the Disaster Impact Tracker Tool or any of the other services that IIR offers, just go to industrialinfo.com. Um, thank you so much for joining us today. Please take a moment to take part in just that brief survey following this. Um, I hope everybody stays safe and dry. And this does conclude today's webinar, the update. Thank you. Thanks, Peggy.